Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer. I'm Nick Batia. Inflation is back below 3%. Here's what it means for markets, the Fed, and the economy. At the Bitcoin layer, River is our favorite place to buy Bitcoin. Purchase Bitcoin with no fees when you dollar cost average and know your assets are held in multi-sig cold storage custody. River doesn't use any fractional reserves, plus their infrastructure makes sure that they do not rely on third-party custodians. Go check out river.com today. Now you guys also know that we are major advocates of self-custody, so make sure you get your Bitcoin off of exchanges with foundation devices. You guys know about the Passport. It is the most beautiful, intuitive Bitcoin hardware wallet on the market. Make sure to get your coins off exchanges today. Get one at foundationdevices.com. Okay, guys, we just had CPI data come out this morning. So we have inflation metrics from the month of June that came out here in July. And what did we see coming across the tape? First of all, inflation now on an unrounded basis is below 3%. It came in at a 2.97% clip. And that is down from last month's 4% reading. And it is also a miss of the expectations, which were right around 3.1%. Core inflation, that is X food and energy, declined from 5.3% annually to 4.8% annually. And that was a miss of the expectation right around 5%. Now, this decline in headline CPI is no surprise here given that rents have been falling precipitously and rents make up about one-third of the headline CPI metric. We know that inflation in energy has come down. We know that inflation in rents have, have come down as well. And the only thing really holding up CPI right now is services. At the Bitcoin layer, since last summer, we have been identifying this disinflationary trend. So, when inflation came off of the 9% level back down into the seven handle, we started to really be confident that the worst inflation from the supply chain disruptions due to the pandemic was over. And we've seen that trend continue quite strongly since last summer. So before we get into why inflation might be bottoming, we want to look at the disinflationary trend that we've identified and explain why the risk is still to more disinflation and potentially deflation. So take a look at this chart here. We have prices paid in the services sector compared with CPI inflation, where the CPI inflation is lagged by six months. So you can see how closely these two metrics track each other. And what we can see here is that the white line, which is Prices paid in the services sector, that is the input prices for businesses that provide services. So one of the main components there is labor costs. We can see that it has been falling quite dramatically since the end of 2021. And of course, CPI inflation has followed that metric lower. And due to the fact that the, that the CPI lags PPI input prices by about six months and PPI input prices are still falling, we can expect that CPI 
will continue to fall as long as this relationship holds. And if you actually look at where it might track, CPI might be heading back below 2%. And you can see here this 2.9692 number in blue, the latest metric, that's the 2.97 number that I just referred to here. So we're below 3% and we could be heading below 2% if we are to use the prices paid metric from the services sector. This is coming from the ISM services data set. So the main takeaway here is that disinflationary trends evidenced elsewhere in economic data should continue to show up in CPI inflation and that we might get this metric heading back down below 2%. So we've identified why we believe that deflation is actually the main risk, but now that we are basically one year off of the highs of inflation, it is finally time to start identifying some of the sources of reinflation that we can see on the horizon. So there are risks to inflation and there are risks to deflation. We are identifying both of them and it's our job to explain to you guys what we see out there and then we'll continue to analyze the balance of those risks. So what are the risks to reinflation? Well, as we covered in our Substack post this week, China. China is struggling right now and the government might be coming down with an enormous fiscal and or monetary stimulus package that could be inflationary on a global basis. So we're going to watch for that. We also have energy prices finally starting to tick up again. So we've identified oil prices being very weak, even despite OPEC cuts. But finally, now we have oil back above $80. So we're going to keep our eye on this and see if energy prices can actually boost inflation at all. We also see real wages are starting to rise again. Now, real wages are the difference between nominal wages and the inflation rate. And so if nominal wages are strong, but inflation is high, real wages are, can actually be negative. Well, now with inflation falling, wages are where they are, and inflation is less than the nominal wages, and that is creating positive real wages. Positive real wages can boost the consumer, which can boost the economy and boost spending and boost inflation. So that is something that we are watching also. The last thing we're watching on the reinflation front is real estate. We've identified falling rents and we've identified falling home prices here for the course of a year or more. But finally, now we are starting to see some evidence of home prices not falling as much as they were recently and maybe even starting to show some life. So these are all the metrics we are watching on the re-inflation front. River has become the Bitcoin exchange of choice for the long-term investor. Make sure you guys go check out river.com today. They have a bunch of features that we're really excited about. Number one, no fees when you DCA. This is the idea that if we dollar cost average our purchases of Bitcoin, we can smooth out the volatility. And River has a great program that allows you to do that without any fees. River also does not use a third-party custodian. We know what a big problem that has been in the industry. So they use a multi-sig custom solution so that they do not have any Bitcoin held with an external party. 
That's a huge, huge concept here, especially given the counterparty risk that we know all too well in the Bitcoin industry and the history of Bitcoin exchanges. River also offers you guys a hand-holding service where you really can understand exactly the product you're getting. They walk you through the whole process. They also offer inheritance planning services as well. You guys got to go check out river.com today. Passport is the Bitcoin hardware wallet you already know how to use. It has a very intuitive design, a beautiful screen. It pairs really, really easily with your Envoy smartphone wallet so that you can communicate between your hardware wallet and your smartphone without having your private keys in a smartphone environment. So make sure you guys get your coins off of exchanges today, put them on a Passport, Use Envoy, download the app for free, and make sure that you guys are protecting the Bitcoin that you are stacking. Go to foundationdevices.com and use promo code BitcoinLayer to get $10 off of your passport. Okay, guys, I want to take a look at the two-year yield here. And you guys know how focused we are on the two-year yield, especially with its relationship to the Fed funds rate. Now, I'm going to throw up a chart here. We put this in our post last week with this orange line that we have showing the rise in yields of late and that that rise in yield might have been coming to an end. Now, here's the interesting thing. Right after we published that post, yields broke out above the orange arrow that I had here. And you can see I left the arrow unchanged from our post. You can see the yield pop up above 5% and actually kiss the level that we saw back in March right before the SVB collapse, right? The Silicon Valley and regional banking crisis that we had in March. The two-year yield hit the level exactly on the nose above 5% and has come back dramatically especially given the weak inflation data that we had this morning. So we have two-year yields falling all the way back to below four and three quarters percent when we had them touching about five and an eighth percent just last week. So a very interesting move in the yield on two-year yields. Now, how does the level of four and three quarters stack up against Fed funds? Well, right now, Fed funds is between five and five and a quarter percent and potentially heading to between five and a quarter and five and a half percent later this month. We don't know what the Fed is going to do right now. There's about 90% chance that the Fed is going to hike another 25 basis points in July based off of the Fed funds futures market, but we're not going to really get into all that today because what we're focused on is the market reaction. So we see that yields are coming back down even though they reach the level of exactly Fed funds. They're coming back down as the market believes that inflation in terms of persistent sticky inflation is not going to be around over a two-year time horizon and that we are more likely to see rate cuts than rate hikes over that time horizon. So it's important to look at the blue, the top blue line, this resistance level at around 4.9%, 4.885 here on the chart. The reason I flagged this number, this is the level that yields hit in October, November of last year. We came above that level in March, but 
fell right back through. We again came above that level here in July and have fallen back through. So it's an important level to watch. It is a level that is below Fed funds. Again, that comes back to the expectation that we're in for lower policy rates going forward instead of higher policy rates. Now, I do want to look at one more chart of two-year yields to hammer home a point about our cycle theory and our cycle-driven approach to asset allocation and investment. Now, this is the same chart, but on a monthly basis. So these are monthly candles. And what we can see here is we have a much longer time horizon that we're looking at going back to basically 06, 07, before the financial crisis set in in 2008. So what you see here is that the Federal Reserve with its monetary policy rate goes through cycles. We have strong economy, they raise, then we have a weak economy, they cut, and we just cycle through that. Now, back in 2007, we had two-year yields above 5%. You can see that they came all the way back down to zero once in 2010, 11, 12. Then they went above 2%, 2.5%. Then they came back down to zero during the pandemic. They went above 5%. Now, we don't, we're not calling for twos to come back down to 0% here. But we, what we are showing you here is that the economy cycles – Monetary policy cycles as well, and two-year yields will cycle as well. So the path of least resistance here is lower on this yield. As we expect the economy to slow, we still believe recession is our base case going forward over the next 6 to 12 months with the data getting weaker and weaker and monetary policy being very, very restrictive, mortgage rates above 7% still. We do believe that the economy will slow. We do believe Fed cuts are coming and this yield will come back down. So I want to zoom way out to just show you the cycle theory and don't get fooled by little bouts of inflation or strong consumer when really we're looking at a economic cycle that is heading into recession. Okay, the last thing I want to show you is this headline, thinking about the cycle and where we are. The world's empty office buildings have become a debt time bomb. This is what we're talking about here. Empty office buildings is not something that happens suddenly. It actually happens over the course of many, many years. And the defaults on the real estate that has the vacancies, those also take a long time to come to fruition. And then the bank losses that have to write off all of that bad debt follow. So you can see here that we are in the early stages of something that could be much, much worse for the economy and banks. That type of activity will elicit monetary stimulus, fiscal stimulus, and boost Bitcoin in the way that we've come to expect. But it does take time. Thanks for sticking with us today at the Bitcoin layer. We are proud to be sponsored by River and Foundation Devices. Make sure you go check out River Buy Bitcoin in a way that is not using a third-party custodian. River uses their own multi-sig cold storage solution so that you are making sure that you are not exposed to a bunch of counterparties in the industry. Also, go check out foundationdevices.com and get your passport today to get your Bitcoin off of exchanges. See you again next time at the Bitcoin layer. 